when I was 14, I went to the clinic at Mass General, and basically my doctor at the clinic said, well, we've put you in a cast every year since you were four months old, and we've given you the surgery, but right now there's really nothing else we can do. You have a choice. You can keep a cast on or not keep a cast on. So I decided not to have a cast anymore and to have a small corset that I wore and just to go home. And so for about, I think about three years, I didn't go back to the hospital for checkups or anything because basically I felt like they were done with me and they they couldn't fix me. During that time, I had a lot of pain and I was in the throes of my adolescence. Uh, My family was really falling apart because of alcoholism. My brothers were having lots of issues because of sadness. So I, again, was trying to be their playmate, their sister, their parent. I was trying to parent my parents. I was trying to do everything I could to make up for the sadness I was bringing them and the shame that I was bringing them. When I was 17, I couldn't stand the pain in my back anymore. And so my mother said, maybe you should go back to Mass General and have a checkup. And so I went back to the orthopedic clinic, and there was a new doctor there from England. And he had known about some new kinds of traction they were using. And this kind of traction was called halofemoral traction. And it was basically drilling holes in a person's head and drilling holes through legs so that you could attach weights to these pieces of metal that were in the body. And every day, stretch the body a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more to see if they could stretch the S out of the spine. And then they would fuse my spine into the position that they could stretch it out to. They explained what the traction was to my mother and I. And because my mother would do anything that a doctor would say because she was so in awe of doctors, she said, well, you have to do this because the doctor says you have to do it. And I was not 18 at the time, so I couldn't really protest that much. And so the day that I went down to the operating room to have this put into me, I remember being wheeled up to my room with this in. And as I got off the elevator, just looking up and seeing my mother and my aunt, and my mother started sobbing, saying, oh, my God, they should take it out. This is horrible. This is horrible. I didn't think this was going to happen. Take it out. And I looked at her and I said, Mom, I just went through through this whole procedure. We agreed that I'd do this. And she was sobbing. And I just, I really held back, as I always did, my feelings about this is happening to me. And I felt like she was not really saying, she was sad that I was going through this. She was sad to have to look at what I was going through. And so when I got to the room, a man rolled into the room with a large stainless steel cart with weights. And so he proceeded to hook wires to all of the screws and they went around these little wheels at the top of the bed and then he hung some weights on those and there was a little bit of a pull that I could feel on my back but I was absolutely petrified. I was just so petrified because I was so afraid that they were going to break or that the screw would go into my head that maybe it would touch my brain. So I was in this for about three months and every day I would look up to this beautiful painting on the wall uh, that was called La Danse à Bougival by Renoir. And it was two beautiful dancers. And all I wanted to do was to get up and dance like these people and dance out of the hospital. And I looked at this painting every day. I couldn't look right, left, or whatever, but I could look straight up with prism glasses. I was 
in love with the painting because I loved the way it looked. I loved her red hat. I loved her red hair. I loved the gentleman that was holding her. He looked like he was so in love with her and so enamored with her beauty. I loved the way that I really couldn't see her feet, like she was almost gliding across the floor and that she looked very happy to be able to move. And all I kept hearing nurses and doctors, therapists say to me every day was, don't move, just don't move. And so that's why the painting has don't move on it. And that's why it's called don't move. Because my family was so Catholic, a lot of the times when they'd come in, they would hang medals, like holy medals, all over the bed. They'd pin them to me, like in the, in the Mexican culture of hanging milagros, which are little prayers on people. Uh, or if you're praying for your back, you'd have a milagro of the back. Or praying for your lungs, you'd have a picture of lungs. These were all pictures of saints that they were praying to. And they'd give me their rosary beads, or they would put little hearts in my hand. And then there are measuring sticks Uh, rulers on the painting and those represent all the times that they would measure me and my father was a carpenter and he was always measuring things at home and a lot of the times he'd measure me and say you know this is how tall you are this is the way you should stand or he would put a level on top of my head and say try to move your body this way or that way until you get level and then there's the page from the day that they put the traction into me at Mass General and so I got this in the records of Mass General about how I did and how the patient felt and it's a very cold sounding letter. So I turned 18 in Halo Family Attraction. So I became an adult and I could make my own decisions or throw my own words into the medical process and I had a way of defending myself and taking care of myself and so what happened was that they came in while I was in this traction one day and said well I'm going to take it out tomorrow and I said, why? Why are you taking it out tomorrow? They said, well, it didn't really work. And we're going to take it out, give you a rest for a day, and then take you back into the operating room and put it back into again and start the process again. But this time it's going to be a two-year process where you basically are going to put you into it, break your spine in a few places, let you stay in the traction, fuse you, take you out of it, put you back into it again, break your spine in a few places, back and forth to the operating room over a two-year span. The next morning, I was wheeled down to this really cold room, and there was a very young intern there that said he was going to take out detraction. And I said to him that I really needed something for pain because I knew it was going to be painful. And he said, no, he said, you don't need anything. And I said, I really do because I'm really afraid, and these things have been in my head for all this time in my legs, and it's going to be really sore. I just would like something for pain, for nerves, and he said, I'll get you a can of Coke, and I said, I'm not kidding, I'm really scared, and he said, he said, no, no, it's not going to be anything, you're a trooper, you've always been a trooper, you know, the thing about you is, you're like a, a Native American, I remember him saying, you have courage, and you're a trooper, and you don't show your emotions, and that's really good, that's the way to be, and so he just kept saying these things to me, and I felt embarrassed to tell him how scared I was, and so I thought, okay, I'll just try to bear this. And I said, when you take the halo out of my head, would you please just not move my head too quickly? Because I know having my head move after not moving for three months, I'll be dizzy and sick. He said, you won't be sick. And so the tools were really hot. They were sterilized. So when he put the first clamp next to my head to snip some of the wiring off my head, it was really hot against me. I was just scared. I said, it's really hot. 
And he said, it'll be over in a minute. And so he started to really fast unscrew the screws. And I could hear this cranking of my bones. And I was crying. And he was turning them. And then he just threw the halo on the floor. And then he said, look, your head's okay. It's free. And he started moving my head back and forth in his hand like a coconut. And I started projectile vomiting all over him and the room. He said, clean her up to the nurse. And he walked out. And I felt like I had been tortured, just tortured. And so that night, a young doctor came in and sat with me in the room. And he said, "Um, tomorrow we're going to come in and talk about what's next. And I said to him, I'm just afraid. I don't know what to do. And he said, well, what would you like to do? And I said, well, during the time I was in the traction, my art teachers from my high school had taken my portfolio to Mass College of Art and without me knowing this. And they basically went through the whole uh, interview process and, and I was accepted to Mass College of Art to begin that September. And so I said, what I'd really like to do is go to college, put this behind me, because I don't think that they can, quote, fix this. I think it's experimenting at this point. And so he sat with me and he said, I think you should do what you want to do. So the next morning, my mother came in, and I told my mother and the bigger orthopedic surgeon my decision. And my mother said, it's her decision now. She's 18. Thank goodness she didn't stop me. And he just went ballistic. He started screaming at me, saying, you will be dead before you're 30. This is the wrong decision. You're going to be crippled. You'll never be able to go on with your life. He said, you're going to be in pain all the time. You're going to have this. He just kept going a a litany of things that would be happening to me. And I said, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. I don't see myself dead at 30. I don't see myself doing all these things. I see myself becoming an artist and going on with my life. Being able to have a vision that was beyond the body, I think, had a role. Feeling like I had strength that was not flesh and blood, that it was some kind of it was a gift that I felt like I had to just keep on moving and keep on working towards a goal, which was to somehow bring some change and some beauty to the world, that I felt like that painting on the wall was so inspiring to me to look at that and think that that gave me such comfort and joy. And the people in Mass General that brought me joy. It it wasn't all bad. I had people coming to read to me. I had people coming to sing to me. I had people coming to expose me to languages I had never heard before and uh, music I'd never heard before. And So there were people that brought to me life-giving things while I was there. Somebody might come in with a scented lotion and just rub my feet or something like that. All of those things, somebody touching my hand, somebody just coming and sitting with me and holding my hand, all of those things were so life-giving to me. I wanted to somehow use that and go on and work with people in my life to make a difference to them the way that that had made a difference to me.